0: Welcome to the Westside Investors Network, WIN, your community of investing knowledge for growth. This is the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast for real estate professionals by real estate professionals. This show is focused on the next step in your career investing. Thank you for listening. And please, if you like our content, rate us on your podcast provider. And now, your hosts, AJ and Chris Shepard. Just a
1: quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are for educational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any shares or securities, make or consider any investments or take any other action. We've got Nana PC on the show with us today. Nana is the owner of Miracle Properties Limited. He is based in Sweden, but investing remotely in the UK. He will share with us the pros and cons of remote investing in the UK, what type of lease options they're doing over there. In the process of getting a mortgage in the UK. So let's welcome Nana. All right. Today I wanna welcome Nana with us. He is a podcaster with Penga Flood Podcast over in Sweden and also joint owner in Miracle Properties. Nana, thank you so much for being on the show. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself?
2: Yeah, thank you for having me. It's an honor and pleasure. Yeah, I'm 35 year old. Me and my fiance have a real estate company in the UK, but we are located in Sweden. So we're doing it remotely. Yeah, we have two beautiful daughters. One is four months, one is three years. And we have been in the property business since 2019. So we're in the early stages. But what people say we have done a lot for being in the early stages. So I hope I can give some advice and a good interview for your listeners.
0: Well, I'm extremely intrigued. I mean, we're based out of the United States and you're not only investing abroad in the UK, which I think AJ and I know very little about, you're doing it remotely from Sweden, which is pretty incredible. So why don't you share with us just like, what, what made you decide to dive into investing?
2: So basically I was actually at in the US when I decided to started investing because i was in a railroad where i was maybe thinking about what do i want to do with my life i don't want to work till i'm uh, 65 and get the pension so we got our daughter on the way she was in emily my fiance's belly obviously and i was in the in los angeles in the hills doing hiking and i was thinking about what should i do when all the people I met in the US were into real estate. So I wanted to go into real estate. When I came home, I listened to several podcasts, read books, et cetera. But the only issue was that my fiance didn't want to do it in the US because of the time difference and the distance. So we pivot to UK instead. It's a one hour flight from here.
0: So you decided to invest into the UK but you knew nothing about investing at all. The only information that you had was reading books and listening to podcasts. What was the first step that you took?
2: So as you mentioned, I didn't know anything about the UK and anything about investing besides that you mentioned books and podcasts and all of this. So I I bought a course, a Rich Dad Poor Dad course that was based in UK. So I went to that one, me and my fiance, we brought our six months daughter with us, the whole, 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 mentorship and up and down in the UK. And we just took all of the information, build our team, get a lot of contacts. And when we came home here in Sweden, we have used those contacts then again and again and again.
1: Nice. What sort of resources or uh, did you develop or how, how did you go about building your team? And what, what does that look like?
2: Yeah, so so basically the, the training company gave you like a specific team, but we know as everyone knows that you need to network to get all of the best Yeah, team, like your accountant, builders, management, agents, all of this. So people that we met when we were... In the UK, like maybe on a property or real estate event, we change details and ask them if they maybe knew someone that did this. And through that, we have built a really good like team and we can pick and choose, decide this. Let's say if we're doing something like lease option that we will hopefully go into later, then we maybe need a specific solicitor for that one. And when we may be doing just a normal purchase, we'll need another lawyer for doing that so
0: so when you say solicitor, you mean an attorney to
2: yeah attorney, sorry, that's what I mean. I'm, I'm <laughs> mixing up mixing up the u k and the uh, and the uh, Americans so sorry for that. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, I'm kind of interested. What are the significant what are the differences between like investing in real estate in the US and investing in real estate in the UK?
2: To be honest, I think the American market is it's much better, but I think it's more ups and down in the American market, you know. Yeah, besides that, UK is a small island. So while you in the US have a big island <laughs> where you have a lot of land. While in the UK, there's it's so, so small, you know, and, and it's just growing the population all the time. So that's the big bonus. But my eyes or our eyes are in the US in the future, obviously, to do that. So I think you guys are in a good spot. Besides that, you have all of this, like the weather, you know, like if you're in the South, South Florida or Florida in the South, you have all of the storms and all of this stuff that they don't have in the UK, you know. So you, you you can they can wipe out your whole investment in a day and then you yeah, need to start obviously from the
1: So like I guess maybe other than like geographical location, like I know that like the UK is more dense. So you probably have like more townhomes and HOAs Yeah. And, I mean I guess you said that like, you know, you talk to a solicitor. Do you have to talk to lawyers when you do real estate deals? Yeah. Or is it acceptable just using a real no. estate
2: agent? So that's an uh, issue that you have, yeah. issue, issue. But that's what you have in the UK that you go through. So you, let's say if you purchase on property, you go to the estate agent, the real estate agent. You say, I want to buy this property. They contact the seller and then they need to have their own lawyer and you need to have your own and then they will speak and they will look through like searches all of the the titles if there's anything hidden and then from there you connect your bank to the mortgage or whatever you're doing if you're doing hard money lending and then you do exchange of contract that means that you're like you're doing the deal and you have, you're going to put a date so if either one of you pull out you will lose that deposit, it, it can be f- from them. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that's the difference. While in Sweden, you can do it through like you and me, we can like, I want to buy a house. Okay, here here's the money. We're good. <laughs> so it's much quicker. It's much quicker.
1: Is there any restrictions of owning property as a foreigner?
2: No, that's the beauty as well. So that's, thank you for enlightening me about that, because in the U.S., what I've been told, it's very hard as a foreigner to get lending. It's very, yeah. very hard. Very While different. in the U.K., they're very like, come, come. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: Take up properties, you know. So, and it, there's a lot of these from Hong Kong and yeah from Asia, who's pumping in money in there. And now because of that, the government have seen that, okay, we can make money on this. So they have hit us non-UK residents with a 2% additional tax while we, but when we buy Yeah. So that's a bummer when it comes to that. But beside that, the lending, it's like an ocean you have so much alternatives to get lending.
1: I've uh, just another question. I mean, in the U S you're able to create LLCs and companies. And I know that when you go invest in like some other countries, like Mexico, they require you to you know, create a domestic company. Are you able to do that in the UK is create like a domestic company and then use that to buy property? Yeah.
2: They call it SPV special uh, purpose vehicle. So you you create a limited company and it costs like less than hundred pounds. And you just you start it and you buy it through the company all the time. So, but what they don't like is if you do like an umbrella. Like, let's say if you have a holding company in the U.S. and then you have a company in in the U.K. and you want to buy it from the U.S., they they will like the lenders will say no because they cannot take a charge on the company in the U.S. Obviously, because that's American mm. laws or. The county, it depends which state you're of, obviously.
0: Interesting. So you touched on a couple things there. I wanted to backtrack just a little bit though. You mentioned that it's the attorneys that are doing kind of all of the title searches and ensuring that the property transfers without any liens or like any like prior claims. So are there not title companies or escrow agents? In the UK, uh, said, no. An escrow?
2: No. So the thing is that the attorney will put that in an escrow in their escrow account, and they will they will hold the deposit there. And let's say if you're doing management, let's say if you have you have bought the property, and you have a tenant, then they will put it in. A, you can go to a like you mentioned a, a escrow company mm-hmm. that will hold the money, and if there are any dispute. You will then go to this landlord action and they will decide who's right, who's not right. And then they will hand out the money. So we, we've done that part as well. We lost some money on it. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think we've all, at least most real estate investors have at some point decided that the deal that they got into contract on may not have been perfect and dropped out of contract. Certainly AJ and I have. We try not to, but we've had to drop a couple. So also you had touched on, we talked about title and escrow and uh, i just forgot my other train. (laughs) I have a really good question. Like, tell us a
1: little bit more about what it's like to be living in Sweden and then investing in UK. Are you like making constant trips over there? Are you just like having people go in and look at properties for you? Like what how how is it remote investing?
2: So that's the beauty of the internet and technology. Like this like we're doing now, we're talking here to yeah, exactly. ring like, what, what, <laughs> what
1: time is it over there?
2: So the time over here is like 20 past six. So six six PM <laughs> When yeah, it, yeah. it's like nine a.m. where we're at. So <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's what I mean. So COVID have actually been like a blessing in disguise. We usually go over a lot before COVID. We went over a lot, but we didn't go over to to check on on the projects all the time. It's more like networking, etc. But people have been forced to use like Zoom and all of this technology to keep up. But our system is let's say if we do we are buying a property and we need we need someone who's gonna do the renovation like a builder and his team, so we trust the builder, but we need to verify, so we get someone who goes in and verify what they're saying, so even if they're sending pictures, videos, it can look good, you know, they might just show what they want to show. But the person, the second person that's coming in without anything attached, you know, will tell the truth, hopefully. <laughs> so that that's how we do it when we do our deals.
0: That's one of AJ's favorite sayings, trust, but verify.
2: Yeah, I love that.
0: Always verify.
2: <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that.
0: So you mentioned a little bit about getting alone in the UK. Do you want to just talk a little bit about that process? I'm I'm pretty interested because that's one of the key factors of whether you can do a deal or not do a deal, especially if you're new to investing.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, to expand
1: on that, Chris, too, like most often the leverage aspect of real estate is where you're able to make a lot of money is you're putting down $1 for every $5 the bank puts down or something like that. So yeah. I think, we're just interested to see or understand how the UK's process and maybe terms might
0: be, might be
2: different.
0: One second. Could I just like, let me double up on that. (laughs) Uh, So, like leverage is one of the things that's enabled AJ and I to do really, really well. Like when we started out, it was really tough to get a loan, but as we learned more, we figured that, you know, instead of, you know, investing $100 into one property, we could invest $20 into five properties. And where we made all of our money and like where we made big gains was we were finding good deals and then adding value to them. And it was that process of adding value, which we were able to, you know, take that $20 and turn it into you know, 80 or 100, because we were able to do 75 or 80% LTV. And the big gain came from finding the deal that's under market value, and then implementing a value add plan, which it may have only increased the property value by 20 or 25%. But looking at, you know, if it's a $100 property, instead of Buying it all in cash. If we increase that by 25%, now it's a $125 property, but we've doubled our profit, like we've doubled our equity or more than yeah. double. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: It's really I- difficult to take a hundred dollar property and turn it into a two hundred dollar property, but yeah, that's our take on leverage. And that's why we believe it is safe to go after high LTV properties or to acquire properties with a high loan to value, because we know that we're buying a good deal and that we're going to add value to it. Even if the market does go down, we're not going to lose our original investment because our plan is to force the appreciation up.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. And that's our take on it as well. We love leverage. Uh, here in sweden sweden people are not so keen on leverage so the system is build like that but i can definitely go through the process like we have one property that we're buying now actually that are in legals we accepted we agreed on it in june and we're still not done so we we're soon done but so we got this from a wholesaler who sold it to us and we contact the bridge because we didn't want to use our own money, all of the all all of our own money, the property was eighty thousand, so we contact a bridge. So bridge is like a hard money lending, and we got seventy five percent. They take all of the fees. We took this on a one year contract, so in twelve months they will get back their money. So they take all of the fees. That's approximately ten percent when you like calculate it they will then you will then send an inspector to check the property and say okay this property is worth like this this is what we can lend for so when that person have done that and the lender is happy with it they then send you the contracts where you signed and you will then give them like depending how much assets you have but sometimes they want to have like a debenture control of the house obviously a charge and then personal guarantee it all depends and from that stage you purchase it and when you have purchased it you then go back you you do the, all of the renovation to bring up the equity and I mean the uplift like you mentioned the uplift and then when you have done it like this one we're we're projecting it's going to be worth around 120 so we bought it for 80. So you're going to be worth 120.
0: And you're talking in pounds.
2: In pounds, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Yeah.
0: that's it's probably 120,000 US and you're probably going to bump it up to 180 US.
2: Yeah, so then we put a mortgage on it and then we pay back the hard money lending lender but we get out of the money and like, there will be like a uh, big equity in their in their property, and then we, as well we can pay off off some of our investors because we have investors as well that have put in money. So, so,
0: what's the process like getting a mortgage, and what's what are the loan to values you can get as you're doing that refinance, and can you do a cash out refinance?
2: Yeah. So the process is, like I mentioned, they, they want to see all of your assets. They want you, after the oh, 08, they want you to give personal guarantee, obviously. Mm-hmm. And you can get loan-to-value up to 80%. That's the highest that we've seen company-based. When it If you're doing it personal name, you can get up to 85%. So it all depends on you. And the rates differ. It's from... to 7. If It it depends which lender you go to, obviously. And yes, you can refinance and get cash out if the deal is so good or after the product. Because in the UK, you take like a 30 or 40 years mortgage, but the product goes out either 2 years or 5 years. So within those years, you can refinance without getting a penalty obviously for refinance earlier so then you can refinance take out the money and put that in another property like you mentioned just leverage interesting
0: so you
1: said 30 or 40 year ams is the interest rate fixed on those or is it
2: variable no so so it's it's only fixed during the like let's say if they give you a product you buy the property on a 30 years contract but the yeah. product with the fixed or float or variable changes every depending on the option you take 2 years 3 years or 5 years or even 10 years so when that period have ended then it will be per automatic variable rate so you yeah. have to you can lock it in like 10 years if you want and yeah it all depends on your prefer
0: a 40 year fixed mortgage that it sounds like a great deal. It's
1: not. It's not
0: a forty-year fixed. It's a forty-year
1: AM. But it's a, yeah. what he's saying is there's well, a balloon after two to five years.
2: Yeah, 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 Thank yeah. you for ex- explaining it better than me.
1: <laughs> uh, well, no, it's 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 fixed. The interest rate's fixed for two to five years, and then
0: it goes variable after that. But
2: yeah, I mean, a 40 and then you need to remortgage it again. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean. That sounds like almost an interest-only loan.
2: You can choose interest-only or you can choose that you're paying a bet. I lost the word for that. <laughs> for when you're paying down the...
0: Amortized.
2: Yeah, amortized. Exactly. But yep. I mean, it's interest. better. it's better to do interest-only, to be honest.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting yeah. concept too. Yeah. Whether if you have the option for interest-only or to choose an amortized loan. AJ, What what's your kind of take on that? You and I sometimes disagree on loan term. <laughs> <laughs> My thought is always
1: to have as much capital in your pocket as possible because we know that we can do deals that are better than any interest yeah. rate the bank can give us. So yeah, we always know how to put that money to better work. So typically like interest only and higher LTV are, are generally what I prefer.
0: Yeah, I kind of agree with that as
1: well. As long as the property cash flows, like when the, if the, you know, there's no sense in taking out where you have a, a negative cash flow, which, yeah, I, mean, I know in some scenarios with single family homes, it's possible to do that, but that's generally not recommended.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a big no. No. <laughs> yeah. I, de- I definitely agree with you guys. I'm also so, but my fiance is more like, yeah, I think we should have like the whole portfolio 50%. And I'm like, just look at like in the, like like in the U.S. during this COVID. I mean, you have printed like almost twenty percent of the dollar during now during this period. So I mean, the money supply—it's twenty percent more when before COVID. So I'm like, you should just leverage, <laughs> you know, because they're just printing the money, and you, as long as you the deal stacked, like you mentioned, it's cash flowing and you can pay the loan all the time and the mortgage every month, you shouldn't be so much concerned. That's just my yeah. my take.
1: Yeah. Well, you mentioned something else earlier, which Chris and I have a fair amount of experience with because our dad loved lease options. <laughs> <And> <laughs> you said that a solicitor, like, if you're doing like a lease option, like, can you tell us what a lease option is according to you know, your standards and, and how you utilize them.
2: Yeah. So they have like different type of lease option, but in, in the whole concept in the UK, you agreed a contract with someone, either that you going to buy the property in the near distance, like in, in a couple of years, or you have the option to buy it in the future. So you have a contract between the owner and you, And then you control the the asset during that period. And then you decide when the period is end. either you will buy it or if you have agreed to buy it, then you need to come up with the cash during the end of the term. That's a simple explanation. So
1: is this a vehicle that you use and you put in place with someone that's selling it and you're like, Hey, I'll lease it for a year or two. I'm going to fix it up, and then I'm going to try to refinance them out? Or are you leasing back to someone and giving them the option to buy?
2: Yeah, exactly. So in the UK, they have several type of lease options. So that lease option I just mentioned is one type of lease option. We are doing another called rent-to-rent. So that is we rent it from the owner and give him a guarantee rent or maybe fixed Income based rent, and then and we then rent it out either the whole apartment or the house to several tenants or only one family, and then we take the cheese or the top between the and rent the that we're giving the land. Exactly, thank you. Yeah, and then we keep that, and we like have a contract of maybe three to five years, and then we can decide if we want to buy it or if we want to just give it back. So that's another type of uh, lease option that we're doing as well.
1: What's your favorite way to utilize it?
2: I like to own assets. So at the moment we're doing, we have one in Lagos as well, where we will rent it for 10 years and then we will own it. We have the option to buy it at the end of the lease. So it's all about owning and so you can refinance and go and buy some more project. But I never say no to cash flow. We never say no to cash flow because I mean that's what you live on, the cash flow.
1: That's a good slogan. Never say no to cash flow. (laughs) (laughs) Well fun. So on that 10-year, so that 10-year deal, so you are writing a contract and you're getting the owner to sign it where you're going to rent it for 10 years for a certain price. And then after that 10 years, it's probably already stipulated in the contract that you're going to buy it for a certain price. Is that, is yeah, that
2: right? exactly. And we have okay. put in in the contract as well because a lot of thing people miss is that you need to put in in the contract that you have power of attorney. So he don't or the guy or the girl cannot go and mess around with the property and then maybe the lender go and... Take the property, and then you have maybe renovated the property like 15, 20,000 pounds, and your asset is gone because they haven't checked their finance. So, you need to put that in the contract to have power of eternity so you can look and you are the one paying their mortgage debt down or whatever. To so you, wanted to explore the option that you have put in place.
1: Yeah, that's a good thing. So that's like, I mean, in some instances here in the U.S., that's like a subject to or a wrap where you set up an escrow account and that escrow account is where your your payment goes into. And then from that escrow account, the mortgage gets paid and then the remainder just gets released to the owner. Those are always good deals if you can work them out. In the U.S., they seem to be a little bit harder to find and they've tried to write into the mortgages that you can't do them it's interesting that in the the uk they're they're allowing that or you're finding you finding ways to do it it's always always good if you can i think
2: yeah yeah definitely yeah it's, it's it's a lot of stuff that i like with the uk when regarding that and something else that's good with the uk like here in sweden and in the us you need to like do the front of the house very nice done up but in the uk when you go to a street, every house look at the, it looks the same, you know, but inside, that's what matters. So they don't care so much about how it looks outside of the property. So you don't need to put so much renovation in front. It's just about the inside. So that's cost, lower cost for you.
0: I've got a question. So in the UK, most houses are attached. Is that correct? Like their townhomes, they're sharing walls with their neighbors? And yeah, they're all tightly packed in. I'm assuming you're investing in a metropolitan area. Are there like four exteriors? Are there HOAs, so homeowner associations, or like what? What happens if there's some exterior issue that? happens to a property maybe the roof leaks and it goes down one of the side what
1: if the roof leaks and it goes down in between the two buildings yeah
2: so so let's say if if it's on my property then it's my my problem but if it's on the neighbor's property it it doesn't concern me and and if they destroy anything that that's in in my property they will be obviously forced to pay their insurance company obviously
0: So insurance is something that would potentially cover that. I mean, with, with a roof leak in the U S you know, that's generally not something that's going to be covered unless it was caused by like hail or like some sort of sudden event that caused that like type of weather. But so you're, you're saying that like if there's, a manufacturer's defect that insurance could potentially cover.
2: Yeah, it depends how how old the roof is, obviously as well. So yeah. if, if it's a brand new roof, then you have guarantee. So yeah. they will cover it. But if it's a old roof, then maybe they will send the the insurance will say it's old roof, so we won't cover it. Interesting.
0: It's <laughs> probably a lot of little nuances <laughs> to learn. Well, it's like whenever you're
1: in a new market or you're doing something different, there's always additional things to learn. You can draw on your experience from what yeah. you've done before. But, like, that sounds very interesting.
2: Yeah. Guys, if you want, I can help you. <laughs> you don't have to take the flight.
0: <laughs> I mean, I find it very interesting that there's not title and escrow in the UK. It seems like some American title company should connect with a, a solicitor in the UK and and start that out because it's a pretty lucrative business in the U.S. And yeah. it just makes the transfer of property that much more streamlined.
2: Yeah. But what I've been told is like, like lease option, et cetera, in the UK, it Obviously came from the U.S., so who knows? He it might come to the to the U.K. To be honest, I hope not. (laughs) I like this when it when you can structure the lease option like this. You know, (laughs) they're giving you power of eternity, and you have like all have all of the control.
1: (laughs) All right, well. Hannah, it's been fun having you on. I think it's time to get to our last four questions. I'm going to start it off with what's one piece of advice you would give to your 25-year-old self?
2: Take more risk and try to, to explore stuff. Do more, fail more in life so you can find your passion. I stick too long to, oh, this is safe, this is safe. I should have just, yeah, gone my way.
0: We agree. like that. Uh, I like that There's, there was a really good bigger pockets podcast episode i think it was last week or the week before well it's august 24th today so maybe like middle of august episode talking about risk and talking about how it's probably risky to not take risks you know you yeah. you might be risking more by trying to play it safe than it would be to you know take a calculated risk. So having played poker for a living in my former life, I completely agree. Taking calculated risks is necessary and important. Yeah. All right, Nana, what was your first entrepreneurial endeavor?
2: So that was me selling uh, newspapers when I was, how old was I? I think it was 11, 11 or 10. I was sending you newspaper And uh, yeah, got some money to that and bought some football or soccer shoes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, all right. Cool. Next question is, how has your formal and informal training shaped your journey?
2: Oh, yeah, that's a big one. So when I started to read books and listen to all of this podcast and uh, going on courses, network, it just explode your mind just like you just see so much opportunities when you when you go and speak with other people and read books and all of this because otherwise you can be very you can have like a tunnel vision where you just oh, this is what what you can do you know and that's why I'm so glad that I've I've explored that journey and that's something I wish I did much, much earlier in my life because I think I would have been a lot further ahead. Yeah.
0: Well, very cool. Okay. And our final question, what was your biggest mistake and what did you learn?
2: In life or in real estate or in life?
0: I think whatever. It's anything. Yeah. <laughs> whatever you think was your biggest mistake?
2: Procrastinating too long on taking the leap of faith. Okay. So, yeah. AJ I- and I
0: were, were lucky. To start
2: early. <laughs> 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 Should I continue or what?
1: You go. Uh well, yeah, well yeah, do you want to expand on that at all?
2: Yeah, I can expand. It's more like taking risks and believing on what I'm doing, like the path with this real estate that it's going to work, and yeah, it's going to be some bump and rides, but we're still growing, and looking back, we've done quite well. So just imagine if I started to do that 10 years ago, where I've been today, when I'm seeing people that I know that are in my age that started 10 years ago, but I've obviously met them like for one, two years ago, and seeing where they are. So yeah, that's what I meant. Cool. Nice.
1: Well, Nana, it's been a pleasure having you on. If our audience wants to get a hold of you, what's a good way for them to get in contact?
2: I think the website is the best way to get in contact because there we have all of the social media and email and etc. So it's miraclepropertiesltd.com. Yeah. Hit me up. Send a message or if you want to have a call or something just write it there i have a calendly link so i'm all open to speaking and with especially with the us people cuz <laughs> I, I like going to the states <laughs> it's been a while but yeah and thank you guys for having me aj and chris this has been very fun and i appreciate that you took the time to have me
0: yeah um, it's it great all right well thank you, you. Enjoy the sunshine. And <laughs> Isn't it sunny there almost all the time now?
2: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> really yeah, but, but, but
0: uh, like the sun stays up a little longer.
2: Yeah, it does. But I don't live in the north. North in the north in Umiu and them, um, the sun don't go down during yeah. the summer. So yeah. that's. But I don't live that up. <laughs> up, up. <laughs>
0: Well, cheers, Nana. It was to see you. And yeah, like very interesting conversation. Thank you. Thank
2: you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast on WIN, your community for investing
0: knowledge for growth. Please take a second to rate us so that we can get more great investors to interview. If you or someone you know wants to be on, please go to westsideinvestors.com and fill out our form.